Our text for meditation for this third Sunday in Advent is on our Old Testament reading. But for all lay leaders and deacons, all heads of households, I highly recommend reading the entirety of Isaiah 39 out loud before playing this homily on audio or reading the manuscript. But for now, hear the word of our Lord from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes right after a prose section in which Isaiah recounts something, well, concerning. He has just told King Hezekiah that the Babylonians will one day invade and take his descendants back to their home country to be powerless eunuchs. Hezekiah's response, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought there will be peace and security in my days. Isaiah 39 verse 8. In a moment when I can only imagine that the entirety of the king's court was deadly silent, King Hezekiah just shrugs. Now hearing that, there is quite the temptation to feel indignant. How dare he not do anything about it? Why, he doesn't even ask how to stop this terrible fate. He just laughs it off, thinking himself lucky. How stinking selfish of him. And how relatable for us. I have had many discussions with friends who had baby boomer relatives expressing an extremely similar sentiment. It always goes the same, doesn't it? You tell your baby boomer parent or relative or co-worker how awful it is that you won't get social security as a millennial and they just shake their head nonchalantly. Oh, what a shame. You say that the housing market is just awful, that you and the younger Gen Z people are completely priced out of ever owning a home like they have, and what's the response? Maybe some advice. Maybe not. But there's certainly a sense of, well, I got mine. If you bring up the terrible, just awful dating scene, how hard it is to get a traditional relationship with someone, let alone marriage, it's like looking right at King Hezekiah as he rolls his eyes at you. Worried about demographics in your country? Get ready to hear, at least I'll be dead before that happens. Oh yeah, for our generations, it is infuriating. We might give King Hezekiah some grace, though. 
After all, he had just gone through a traumatic time in his life with a serious double whammy. First, the Assyrians invaded, and they absolutely decimated Judah until God stepped in and destroyed their army while they laid siege to Jerusalem. But as if this weren't enough, he suffered a near-death illness that almost cut his life short. Again, at the last moment, it seems, God delivered him from this sickness so he could live another day. Hezekiah wasn't just living on the high horse, sapping his country of its wealth or draining its cultural capital. To the contrary, he had a serious task of rebuilding the nation that had been destroyed by the Assyrians, and he had to move quickly to make up the time he had to take off while suffering his illness. For all we know, the comment the prophet Isaiah made was in passing, and after this brief interaction, the king was off to go do right by his countrymen as soon as he dismissed what he heard. But that's just Hezekiah. This doesn't address the malady confronting us millennials, or the Zoomers after us, our shared bleak future which will supplant our current ugly present. We are left in a situation where previous generations absolutely messed things up for us in the material world. They have restricted our opportunities by inflating the job market, saddling us with massive student loans in addition to tens of trillions of dollars in federal debt. They gave us a hollowed-out culture, consigning us to be aimless and porn-brained consumers. They refused to teach most of us practical skills, so we couldn't fix this mess if we tried, let alone fixing appliances or replacing drywall. The worst thing, though, worse than any of this, is that this generation, by and large, attacks us millennials and Zoomers for living the way they raised us. It was the boomer generation that took shop class off the list of electives so more funding could be spent on high school football. And then these same people complain that we don't know how to change our own oil. They told us to go to college or else we would be flipping burgers. Then when we went to college and couldn't get a job because they gave those spots to others, they chastised us for not being willing to flip burgers. The same generation that protested against the Vietnam War and had tons of draft dodgers now criticizes us for not being patriotic enough to fight the wars they vote for. They scream that we're entitled brats, but conveniently ignore that participation trophies, therapeutic deism, and federal handouts were their idea that they insisted on when they were our age. The list of intergenerational offenses could go on for hours if we had the time. Oh yeah, Hezekiah might be excused for his flippancy in saying, at least I'll be dead before then. Boomers, not so much. Our generation asks, what's left for us? The answer is nothing. Our generation asks, what will the future look like? The answer is hard. We are not faced with a bright tomorrow. Neither were the generations that came after Hezekiah. Yet God had a message of comfort for these people. Does he have a message of comfort for you? Not if you're worldly. I speak to everyone in my own generation, if your complaint against the baby boomers amounts to being angry that you didn't get an easy life full of pleasure, then there is no comfort for you. 
God has never promised us riches or ease in this life, and if you make riches and ease into your gods, I guarantee you that our Lord sees right through that. Perhaps you are angry over the injustices done to us younger generations. That's fine, but seeking revenge leads to no comfort either. What are you going to do? Take their McMansions that will never sell? Don't kid yourself. What, will you take the CEO positions of the companies that will go under the moment the boomers that ran them retire? Good luck with that. Let me clarify, if all your outrage stems from your old Adam demanding trinkets and money and hedonistic pleasure, the time for your comfort is past. Our generations already had many of those things, and like the boomers before us, we squandered it and made things worse than they already were. That's right. Every generation has its own sin, and if we persist in worldly motivations, we are just saying we wish we could add the previous generation's sins to the ones that we are currently committing. It is to millennials' shame that so many of them are just mad that they didn't get to reintroduce homosexuality into the popular mind as they did while having a house that they paid just about nothing for. They're upset that they didn't get to absolutely wreck the last vestiges of Christian social capital in this country while having paid for college on a part-time job. There is definitely a sense of envy, of coveting, that we must repent for because we are not examining ourselves and repenting of our own generational sins. Christian, look inward. There is much for which we must repent before pointing our fingers at other generations. Surely the boomers did do a work on later generations, and younger people are correct to chastise them for their hypocrisy in criticizing us while doing all this messed up stuff. Do we really want to engage, though, in that same hypocrisy? Are we really just jealous? If that's the case, then no, God does not offer you comfort. He would, but his comfort would not actually, you know, comfort you. We simply wouldn't accept it because, like pigs, we would rather wallow in the mud of our sins while being upset that we're not fattened up enough for the slaughter. But there is comfort for us in the midst of our grief. And it is the same comfort that Isaiah is commanded to give to the children of Judah. God says to Judah that her warfare is ended. And while our circumstances are not identical to Judah's, so too does God point us to the blessings he has given us. God has told them that their iniquity is pardoned, and so too has he given us the free offer of forgiveness in Christ Jesus. The children of Judah are comforted with the prophecy of one crying out in the wilderness. And we are comforted by the same voice, that of John the Baptist. They were looking forward to that voice. We look back to it and are comforted that God is always preparing the way for his anointed one to come and save us. The prophet says, Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He gives us a promise here, a comforting, precious promise that God is going to make things 
right. He is going to make things level. He is going to make things ready for the return of our Lord. And it might be just upon his return that he does these things, but he promises that no matter what kind of injustice we suffer, he is the God who sees and who makes right. There is comfort for you in this passage. There is comfort for our entire generations here if we are only but willing to accept it, that this is what God gives us in return for the sufferings we have experienced for the struggles with sin that we have engaged with our entire lives. We can blame the boomers for bringing in the internet era, which results in your pornography addiction. We can blame the boomers for making sure that we will never have an IRA account with $10 million in it. But being mad at them instead of forgiving them as our Lord Christ commands, and holding this weird grudge against them instead of looking to the God who has promised deliverance as he does here in Isaiah. is saying quite succinctly, I don't want that comfort. Beloved, look inward. Look inward and ask yourself, am I willing to accept what God has to give me? Or do I think in my pride that I can deserve something so much better? Of course, we would be a fool to act that way, to think that we know better than God, that we know the material conditions that we deserve and that we ought to have. Raid the older generations and take their stuff or something. It's silly. And if there's a baby boomer listening to this, own it. This is your chance to look at the younger generations and say, I want to do right by you. King Hezekiah blew it off. He blew off the bad news of the future, but then he went about the business of rebuilding the kingdom for those younger people. And then their own mistakes were theirs. It was the younger generations that slid into apostasy, not Hezekiah's. But you could give them a chance. You can make this right. You can absolutely say, I am sorry for what my generation has done to you. Please forgive me. I am going to do something good for you. That's great. Please do that. Millennials, let's not expect that. For the Zoomers out there, don't expect it. Expect instead what God has promised. Expect the comforts that he has given us. He offers all of us forgiveness. He offers every single one of us the forgiveness of our sins. He offers every single one of us the free offer of salvation and life eternal. Shall we truly say no to that because we would rather be unforgiving, greedy, and materialistic? You know what the end of that is? It's death. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. There's no getting away from that. He who dies with the most toys is still dead. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If I put my trust in man, if I put my trust in the things of this world, this material life, I am just going to die. I am just going to experience what all of that stuff out there results in. Death and then burning. For more information, please consult the book of Ecclesiastes if you think that somehow you can earn a heaven here on earth and build it up for yourself. Again, just death and then burning. But the word of our God will stand forever. 
His promises remain true. His promises result in your eternal life. His promises result in the kind of life living and blessing that mean all those previous generations' sins are inconsequential to you. Maybe they hurt. Maybe it's terrible. Maybe you do have to endure special hardships which previous generations did not have to endure. But the joy of the Lord is in you. The promise of eternal life is there. And you can triumphantly say, what can man do to me? It is God who saves me. So with that said, forgive each other. Forgive them. You want to forgive them so that you do not have the burden of bitterness. The snare of bitterness that wraps itself around the throat of your soul, preventing you from trusting in God's word. Forgive them. In fact, be a blessing to them. Be a blessing. Absolutely love your enemies. If that's honestly how you feel about this older generation, who, again, I will not deny their sin. If you feel as though this makes them your terrible enemy, then love your enemy as our Lord Christ commands. Be a blessing to them. Be nice to them. Find out the Wi-Fi password or show them how to use the Google, as they have asked so many times. And behold... You trust in the Lord a little bit more. You find greater joy in his firm promises here in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. Let us love our neighbors, even if they have been the me generation. Now the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.